My name is Paul Hearn. And I'm Paul Summers. And you are listening to your classical coffee break. We are indeed. Now, that little odd ending to a piano piece, mm-hmm. which happens to be something I wrote. Oh, I did. Yes. <laughs> it's, and the up it's, and coming. Yes, it's it's uh, from a, a piece called County Fair Opening Day. And it's the beginning of, uh, of a large work, which is called Morris River Pictures. Mm-hmm. And that put me in mind of something else that has pictures in its title. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time I've ever made this public. Okay. And that is that the very last couple measures hide, unless you're really listening attentively, the fact that the notes that you're playing are the same notes as in the promenade Uh from pictures at an exhibition. Okay. Could you play that again for us? Okay. Let's see if we can hear it. Let me just back it up a smidgen bit. Okay. Let me just take it. Okay. Let's see if we can get it. Right in there, that little yeah, thing yeah. is just my little hidden homage to uh, to that. <laughs> okay, that I'm do, I'm about to actually. This is one of the last pieces I wrote, but it is the lead off piece in mm-hmm. a series of pictures, uh, but p- pictures of nature and so on. But anyway, so that's your hidden message. That was my hidden message. Here's another one. I love this. This piece begins with uh, this next one here, begins by mentioning a character in this opera who never appears as a character on stage and, in fact, is dead. Hmm. And see if you can see what, what does this say to you rhythmically for a name. That is a great introduction. That is how the piece begins. Hmm. And it's the opera Electra by uh. Strauss. So what you get is <laughs> Agamemnon. Oh, okay. Because that who she's mad that was killed hmm. is her father, Agamemnon. So Agamemnon, this whole opera is about her seeking revenge for the murder of her father. Mm. So the opera begins with the uh, with the orchestra. It's the one thing I like stating about stating Agamemnon. We talked about operas and Yeah. And you know the the characters in operas tend to be sort of darker in many ways where <laughs> the, that that this common culture doesn't appreciate as much to have a whole story of revenge I mean, there are like a couple of movies out there that do that, but it's not as dark and nasty as as this. Yeah, and and then to have it, but to have this, this is so operatic. How could you ever do that on stage? Yes, right. I mean, how could you ever just have the curtain opens and then just begin 
having having uh, yeah. Electra walking or what if she's sweeping right. in many of in right in the middle of it. Yeah, but here this thing as the curtain goes up, the orchestra yells at you, Agamemnon. <laughs> in case you missed it, guys, you know yeah. it's it's wonderful. Okay, here's another one. This is somebody wanting to. This is one of the great operas. It's probably my favorite, one of my favorites, certainly. And that is Die Meistersinger von Nürnberg by mm. Wagner. We listened to that but, recently. Too. Oh, yes, we've listened to part of that. But let's just listen to the beginning, and then I'll play uh, the very ending of this. Of this uh, here, here's this. Here's here's the prelude. <laughs> Okay, first of all, it's blatantly in the key of C, like the, the elementary beginning key when you start music is C. No sharps or flats or anything like that. So I'm in the key of C, and there's no mistaking it. He's known for doing things that are chromatic, that are, can, sometimes you can't even tell what key you're in, in, uh, in Tristan and in other pieces. This is I'm in C. Guys, listen, you know? And he just lays it on you. And then he has some real counterpoint going on in here in places. And people always said, well, he doesn't do the tight kind of counterpoint where tunes are related to this. And, and, and of course, it's just loaded with that. And here's, a, and here's a tune you could walk off singing and say, What's so, the story of this opera? Oh, God, I don't even want to get into it. Just, just a, can you do a thumbnail? Well, okay. okay um, th- th- there's a guy, well, you'll hear him br- briefly, Walter von Fogelheim. He, he's, he's in town. He uh, lays eyes on a really cute girl in, in, in the first scene, which we'll get to mm. momentarily. And uh, he wants to... He wants to pick her up, as it were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it turns out that all her father has already offered her as the prize in a singing contest. And so he says, I'm not going to let that stop me. I can sing. And, and then throughout the opera, he has finally worked out a great tune. In the meantime, there's a real pedant. I don't like to make fun of this. Sometimes is made to be almost too comic a character, almost too comic a character. But um, but he's a person who uh, uh, is is how should we say he's he's very much we'll stick by the rules, mm-hmm. and also stick uh, in the mud type. Uh, yeah, overeducated. Yes, and he's 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 the town. Feeling. He's the town. He's the town scribe. He's uh-huh. the town. They always make yeah, fun of the, the, yeah. the writers. Yeah, well, it's not so much the writer. He was like the, more the like clerk. the bookkeeper. Yeah, clerk. clerk. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Well, any case, uh, let me get to the end of that because the scene where Walter meets Ava uh, is uh, – Here's what's great about it is we're going to really end resoundingly in C. Wagner was always sensitive to the fact 
that everybody said he doesn't know the fundamentals. He doesn't know all that basic stuff we always had to struggle with, you know, studying music with whoever. So listen to this. As this thing ends, the curtain goes up and you'll hear where you are. This is the beginning. This is this is the end of, of the overture. Of the overture, right? But it comes up on them. We're in church. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they're singing. Oh, in here, this nice viola solo mm-hmm. here is big. Is Walter notices Ava? He's ogling her a little bit, but the, the congregation is singing a hymn in strict four-part harmony. Exactly what, you know, what the academics say you've got to know how to do. Right. And uh, my gosh, when you go to a conservatory <laughs> nowadays, by George, you learn to write strict four-part harmony, you know. And so Wagner's saying to his critics, who say he had no academic training, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's going... <laughs> thumbing his nose at them say mm, I think you'll notice this is pretty darn good four part writing right, right. and oh yeah about that being in a key I think you could tell what key I was in in that overture and I think that you'll notice that I had some pretty good counterpoint going in there which you always say I don't know how to do right mm. and so this whole opera has a subtext of having elements that Wagner is thumbing his nose at the critics as he does them. Interesting. So if you know that about it, you can always say, what's he trying to prove in this scene? Right. What's he trying to prove here? You know, and it opera just and it's fun. Yeah. Because it's a fun opera, it's a comic opera. And he is just and the character of Beckmesser, the the Stockschreiber, uh, is is a character who, in a sense, Wagner is making a he's the one who marks the who marks the singers in competitions mm. and says what how you're doing because it's very very strict constructionist hence making fun of the critics that's again, right so yeah. he's he's you know etc so right. anyway it's it's a wonderful opera and I I love it. and in, in a really good production they don't do anything weird and abstract I, I, I saw excellent production at the Met with my son at the time, about 12 years old, and um, we sat right in the seventh row, I think, at the Met, and and of course the, this church scene. I mean, I've been in that church, and they duplicated it on stage. And I said, I said, you know, I don't feel under any obligation to take you to Nuremberg. <laughs> You've been there. Okay, well, enough of that. So, any case, um, so that's that's really great. Now, here's just some other things which. If you know certain things, you're okay. But here's Mussorgsky. Mussorgsky wrote music that is dramatic, but but you're going to notice that it's not loaded with the big tunes. Here's the thing: is Mussorgsky believe that Russian music, Russian opera, like this, should reflect the natural built-in languages and sh- uh, um, rhythms and shapes of Russian. So, you see, that 
Now, here we get the famous polonaise. Hmm. Well, so that immediately tells anybody, well, we must be in Poland, which we are in this scene. But of course, Poland was and remains in many respects the, the enemy of Russia. So this is the bad guy music. Mm. And the reason, of course, for the conflict is made clear, not just in history, but in this particular opera, which is, of course, a historical character, because Polish, Poland is Roman Catholic and Russia is Russian Orthodox, which are not in agreement in many respects. So he uses the Polonaise where the bad guy, the, the person who wants to be the pretender to the Russian throne, he goes there to try to marry a Russian, a, 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 Pol, a Polish princess. Listen to this. Here he is. Here's the pretender. Now, see, he's going to sing something that's much more like a real aria here. This is way too melodic in Boris Godunov. Mm -hmm. Beautiful love song here he's singing. But this is not a Russian singing, because they wouldn't do this. They would sing a folk song, or just basically... Oh, this is too Western. Way too Western. Got it. Yeah, this isn't Russian. And then here's the Polish princess... Now, later on, he, he, to be sure, he gets an army together and tries to march into Russia, actually does, and in history... Look, could go bad. Yeah, but in history, actually, <laughs> there's, there's, he wins. <laughs> yeah, oh. Yeah. Is, no, he's already... Yeah. yeah, what could go wrong with marching into Russia, exactly? Right. But listen to this. Great march. It's a beautiful march. But it's so beautiful... Well, that's the tune, a real tune, a real tune that you identify throughout the opera, and you walk out humming that tune. Hmm. But it's the melody associated with the pretender, with the guy who's trying to take over hmm. Russia. So it's the bad guy tune. Interesting. And the thing you walk out humming, if you're into humming tunes, is the bad guy tune. Huh. You see? And so here he is marching in, and they, the march has been doing that tune. I love this opera. It's one of my favorites. Interesting thing in this opera, by the way, is that, and it's always treated this way at the end, is that the chorus is actually about one of the main characters, the Russian people. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've seen this opera about three times, same production every time, always at the Met. And they always, at the end of the opera, they bring up the curtain and the chorus takes the first bow. Mm -hmm. Then they begin bringing on solos. Mm -hmm. But the chorus gets a gigantic bow. Mm. Now, at the end, however, there's a simpleton who sings this. Now listen. 
a little half step. And he just says, ah, the bitter tears will flow now from Russians. He just sees another war, somebody else trying to take over. Mm-hmm. And he just says, oh, everybody's going to suffer now. And he's right. But now listen to how it ends. Just, this is pretty short. No, I'll, I'll jump ahead. Even just here it, Here's how it ends. Okay. Well, let me... Here. And this is the final scene. This is the end of the opera now. He's sitting there, leaning against a log maybe, or sometimes he's standing up and... And, and, and kind of wandering off, sort of directionless. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. That's the end. Hmm. It doesn't end. You don't even know what key it landed on. Hmm. To most people, it's going to sound like it ended on step seven of the scale. Hmm. It's just really, hmm. and that's how the opera ends. So there's that. Now here's Great use of silence. Yeah, it just that happens, and the curtain just comes down very slowly mm-hmm. in that last set of dida, dida. It's 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 incredible. Now here's of course another piece. So in other words, what he what what Mussorgsky's saying is, it goes on and on. It never stops. Mm-hmm. And what will never stop is the tears of the Russian people since it never ends. <laughs> it's, it just always goes on like that. Mm. And so that's, a, that's built in <laughs> to the Russian psyche almost. Now listen to this piece. This is another one where, where an indecisive end has the same meaning. It never stops. And this is, unless you're sort of aware of the meanings of chords. This is the Niagara Symphony by William Henry Fry, an American composer. It was written in 1859. And this is about Niagara Falls. But now the end of it is just imagine you're going downstream through the whirlpool and you're heading towards Lake Ontario. But listen to this now. It's a chord that he's playing, which is, it needs resolution. Mm. But he never resolves it. ends with an unresolved chord giving the same message this just goes on and on if I resolve this chord it will bring something to an end but it doesn't end Mm. and so just like Mazorsky doing his you know and ending on Mm. you know and this one just has a 
That's all. It's or I guess it's actually this there. Well, that's that's not how you end a piece. Mm-hmm. But he does because his unwritten and implied message is this doesn't stop. Mm. The Niagara River keeps going forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see? So it's it's incredible how that's never written in. I mean, no, there's nothing that, that tells you that's what he's saying. But there's our cultural awareness is that if we hear a chord that doesn't resolve, that we expect to resolve, but mm-hmm. it doesn't, that there's something really pretty intense going on, that the composer really has something that he or she wants to communicate there. And so that's both of these people had things that don't resolve. So which brings me to a question that I always sort of had about music. Okay. And for a chord to resolve, it has to go down and something that comes to the home feel that. Yeah. Well, if you have this, you want it to come to, to a major chord maybe or a minor chord. So this resolution gives a sense of peace or a completion. Rest, yes, yes. It's, Which is saying something about human nature. Yes, we want to have... Uh, you can have an ending that's tragic or happy, but you want an ending. Mm-hmm. The drama does come to an end. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll think... See, but in these both of these cases... The artist is going outside the frame and saying, this this goes on forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can put a frame anywhere you want, but the Russian people will suffer and the Niagara River never stops flowing. Mm-hmm. And I show that by... And you're waiting for that to go to some place, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Or and that's the end. It never goes to something that makes you feel. Or doesn't even do that, which would be odd, but it would still be, oh, we got someplace. But no, it's just. And, and he so, leaves it. So that chord. Yeah, called a diminished chord, yeah. Shows that the composer, no, musicians know that that is a chord for that is stressful for people. Oh, yeah. And it's a matter, the part of the game is to create the stress and then resolve it to some way and then push the story or push the game in different areas with the stress and resolutions. Yeah. Like, like a novel. Yeah, and so you want to, yeah, so you, you can have all the diminished chords, diminished and diminished seventh chords, which are even more notes. You can have all you want while while Macduff and Bank mm-hmm. and, and, and the Scottish King are going at it. But by George, at the final scene, you want to have, you know, mm-hmm. that... All you right. know, that Malcolm's, you know, we have a real king here, you know. <laughs> but... Uh, not, not in this one. Hmm. 
How about telling us about ENCODA? Yes, sure. ENCODA, of course. Well, ENCODA is, uh, they're the people who bring you your classical coffee break. Uh, and uh, they have an app for musicians that offers a library of digital sheet music on subscription, like Spotify or Netflix. Uh, users can access their favorite works from the complete sales and hire a rental catalogs of almost probably over 100 leading music publishers nowadays, totaling uh, probably by now also well over 110,000 titles. You can curate personal playlists to practice and perform from and upload your own scores and share your markings with other users. Find Encoda, that's N-K-O-D-A, on your app store today. That's N-K-O-D-A. Well, thanks so much, Mr. Summers, for taking us through a journey of hidden messages, somewhat uh, conspiratorially, I guess. (laughs) Yes, I guess could be. All right. Thank you so much. Until next time. Okay, bye-bye. Your Classical Coffee Break is brought to you by Morris River Press, award-winning elite publishers of the music of Robert Russell Bennett, Philip Dietrich, and Paul Summers. You can find our catalog at morrisriverpress.com and Theater Presser Company at presser.com. Production for this program is partially sponsored by CAS Music Productions, casmusic.com, providing music recording and production around the world, engineers Chris Sarazi and Nathan Terry.